to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. So I'm delighted to introduce AJ Pangakal, and he's speaking to me from Canada uh, and regards himself as a bit of a workforce revolutionary. And I think that anybody that has read his work or read his blogs, read his articles, read his books would probably agree. He's a performance strategist and an award-winning author and performance strategist for his work with Apple. So that's no mean feat. So AJ certainly knows what he's talking about. And I'm delighted to speak to him today because we've had lots of in-depth conversations and head scratching on the future of learning. Um, So it's a real delight to be able to pick AJ's brains today. So AJ, welcome to Learning Now Radio. So really what I wanted to start with, AJ, is um, you very kindly shared a number of recent publications with me, but I know that you've been publishing on the subject really for many years. But one of the key areas that a lot of these episodes of Learning Now Radio have concentrated on and lots of articles out there in the press at the moment is how to get attention of the business. There are learning development folks out there that recognise and know that things have got to change. And I think we're all ready for that and we're all accepting of that. But how to do it is really tough. And I know you've recently published an article called Three Proven Ways to Get Into Your Business Leaders' Heads. And I wanted to find out what drove you to write it and what you want people to take away from your key messages there? Well, you know, Lisa, I come, you know, my, I think like many of us in this, in this business, um, we, well, it's a generational thing, I think as well. If you're, I think 40 or uh, older, you sort of fell into backwards into training and development as we used to call it. And um, if you're under that, you probably have some form, formal education in uh, the learning constructs but but that said i mean it, what it comes down to is what's lacking in our in our segment is is that we don't have enough business understanding and i'm not trying to be slight and i'm not trying to be negative uh, i'm just trying to make a point that we tend to forget and maybe it's just our history of as a department in an organization that we are a business within a business and that's the way our business leaders look at us they don't look at us as a learning department. They look at us as any other, like any other operational activity that goes on. And what happens is that we, we tend to leave our little cubicle and, and go out and start talking to them about learning. And of course, any, you know, L&D person worth their weight uh, has recognized a look on a business leader's face when they start talking about, you know, learning initiatives. And it's sort of glazed look that comes over their face and a big yawn and it's not resonating with them. And then we think, okay, you know, they don't understand us and we'll just go off and do our own thing, but we're not really making any impact. So in essence, we are not communicating to them in the way we should be communicating in terms that when we leave our cubicle, when we leave our department, we need to speak in a language that they understand. You know, basically what's in it for them? Why are we putting money into you? That's the question that's into their heads. They're, they're looking at us and saying, and it's not being condescending in any way. It's, they're saying in their heads, why did we give you any money to do what you do? 
And we need to prove that the money that they give us actually delivers some sort of results. They don't care about the learning. And again, that sounds like a harsh term to say, uh, but in reality, they don't really care about how the secret sauce is, the secret sauce is made. I mean, you don't go to McDonald's and ask the person behind the counter, how do you make the secret sauce? You just want the secret sauce on the, on the burger. At the end of the day, it makes the burger taste good. And that's what leaders are looking for. They want to know that if they put money into you and you're delivering some sort of initiative, that it's going to deliver an impact and that their burger is going to taste good at the end of it. And and that's really what we need to start learning is that the, the taking the angle of talking in terms that they understand. And, and that's a, a, an impression that I'm really having a challenge to make among many L&D people. And, and I think that time will come, but you know, there is a point that it has to, it has to take effect. If you're going to leave that cubicle, start talking in business terms. Well, just between you and I, AJ, and mm-hmm. our listening audience, I know that in the article you talk about the fact, exactly as you've described, that L&D don't need to give away the secret sauce. That's something that you know is part of what we do, understanding performance, understanding the different tools and techniques and things that we have at our disposal to be able to support learning and support performance. But just between all of us, AJ, What's your recipe for the secret sauce? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've been to McDonald's lately. I don't know if I want to know what's in the secret sauce. But anyways, (laughs) no slight on McDonald's. They're a really good company. Don't want to see a lawsuit on my plate. But uh, as far as the secret sauce, you're talking about how I communicate with business leaders uh, from that perspective or... Is that what you're asking? Absolutely. So, you know, in the end, when learning and development are looking to find and diagnose the performance issue and look at how knowledge and learning are um, flowing around the organization, what kind of techniques do you think that are the ones that not only do they, they really work, but you're able then to do, as you've said, you're able to take that challenge, you'll be able to provide a learning and performance lens to it, but you can deliver something back to the business that they get, that makes sense to them, that they understand. How do you go about that process? Okay, so one, uh, let's be very practical about this because it, for people listening, I want them to walk away with something here. So one, recognize the first fact that you are not the only cog in the machine, that you are one of many parts in that machine that makes it work. And so don't go up and to your business leaders and try to say, we will solve the problem and, and paint yourself in the corner. Recognize there are other elements that are factoring into that business um, requirement. A lot of a lot of moving parts, and you are just one. You might be a big moving part, you might be a small moving part, but you're still only a moving part among many others. And so, that said, once that recognition takes place, that you are not the savior to this problem, that there are other parts to this this issue that need to be solved, then you can actually work on what you need to work on and be really good at it. And so, to do that, you know, Stephen Covey once said, you know, first, uh, you know, uh, first understand, then be understood. Well. You need to do that rather than go, you know, the second point related to it is rather than go headstrong into uh, into the business unit and say, hey, we can solve your problem and create this wonderful e-learning training program, whatever you want to call it. Sit with them. And as I say in the article, be pro, you know, be proactive. Recognize that these individuals have performance expectation laid upon them. Performance is not just our role. Performance is a huge, all-encompassing role within the organization. And these individuals, these business unit leaders have performance expectations that they have to account for. So what you need to do is 
learn about those performance expectations. See where you fit in. So if you are actually sitting with a business unit leader and they say to you, you know, we're trying to increase productivity, you know, we have to increase productivity by 5% in the next quarter or 10% in the next quarter or reduce defect of the product manufacturing by 15% in the next quarter. Well, that's a performance objective for that business unit leader. You need to start being the investigator, being the, 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 the researcher and say to them, well, tell us about what is the process of increasing productivity within your department. What does that encompass? What does that mean? Listen to them. And then when you can take that information and start finding out where you fit in, then guess what? You have a very targeted, what I call a sniper solution rather than a shotgun approach. You can be very specific about what you need to solve within that department and not waste your time on some, you know, you know, spray and pray kind of um, application of learning. You can be very diligent and maybe even target the right people, not all the people. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, you, you, once you do this investigation work, you can start pulling on the thread and it starts unraveling. You find out exactly where you need to be and what you need to do. And that's where our skill sets and that's the secret sauce part from the L&D perspective, right? The L&D perspective is this. You find out that they have increased productivity. You find out that you have a role to play. Maybe you ask a question, well, what does productivity mean to an organization? Well, it means that they have to produce so many widgets per hour out of this machine. Okay, great. If they need to produce so many widgets out of this machine per hour, um, then why aren't, are they not producing so many widgets out of this machine per hour? You know, ask that why. That's the consultant's role. I know, Lisa, you know this very well. You know, you, the consultant role is always to ask why continuously until you get to the root cause, and that's what L&D people need to do. And once you get to the root cause, then you can say, okay, you know, you go to the business unit and say, look, I'm going to do my magic. I'm going to bring out my little medical bag and I'm going to do something called, called a skills gaps analysis or needs analysis or whatever it may be. And then you do your own investigation of how to improve that element. But, you know, I'm droning on here, uh, Lisa, but it just shows you that we can be very precise and surgical about our approach to business if we understand what those performance uh, pressures the business unit is responsible for and then attack where we need to attack. It's almost like non-invasive surgery for a doctor. You know, we'd be very precise of where we need to go. I think one of the really interesting things about these, the way these conversations are going at the moment, and like you said, that consultancy approach, and I know that I say this a lot as well, of anybody that's been um, uh, experienced or been part of a knowledge management discipline in the past, is that I think quite often with learning and development, the expectation is right. So learning and development are going to be the people that will get a new catalogue. So they'll get us some licenses for Linda. They'll um, put in a new LMS. They'll sort out a new global uh, leadership program. And it's all these learning initiatives, these, these big things that go across the entire organization. But guess what? Life is simply not that simple. And just as you said, it's those targeted pieces of work that actually end up getting viral adoption around an organization. So you've solved a business problem. Right. Could we now take that and apply that to another business problem rather than let's just have an absolute power hose of this thing that we call learning that we don't know if it's going to stick against the problems that we've got or not. But we we've got this kind of legacy of the learning initiative rather than consulting on performance. Exactly. And, and, and that's what we have to get into our heads. And when I say we, I'm talking about the, the grander L&D space. We have to learn that it's not about the learning. It's about the performance improvement. And, uh, you know, I, I love to say this and people really in L&D always get shocked when I say this kind of stuff. And it's nothing revolutionary here, uh, Lisa. But your business leaders want you. Your business leaders need you. 
we live in an exceptionally competitive uh, business environment that, you know, the online retailers are, are, are overthrowing established um, brick and mortar retailers. The change for business leaders is happening on a continuous basis. And when what change comes new things to apply and when new things come to apply, they need knowledge. I know we threw out sort of that knowledge management term a number of years ago but it still exists for business leaders. They look at knowledge as their only competitive resource that will help them survive. I know when I worked with Apple, when I worked with Nest, and when I worked with all these you know, very forward-thinking companies, they don't think about their products as leading them to success. They think about their knowledge in their organizations as leading them to success, which leads to those innovative products and, that we use every day and, and dominate the market. So it's not, it's the cause and effect is let's not create a shiny new object in the market. Let's use our people's knowledge and use, use the knowledge in organization to create something new and different. And that's the only thing that's going to make these companies survive. And we see it all the time. We see it continuously. So when I say that your business leaders love you, trust me, they do, but they're not going to come out and hug you. They're going to say to you, they're going to hold you to account like any other business unit that they put money into. And you better prove the fact that you can deliver on what they need. And at the end of the day, that's all that counts. It's not about the learning. Keep the learning in your back pocket. Keep it in your department. I hate to sound brash here, but keep what you do and what you say in your department Get to know what they need to improve on because that's all there is. And let me sh- share this this point, Lisa. You know, my background, and I don't know if people know this, but my background, you do, is in accounting. I'm an, I'm a CPA in Canada first. Um, my background is in finance, and my back and, and my, I used to lead a department within a Fortune 50 company. And I always said, to, you know, the one thing that leaders are concerned about are three things today. They are concerned about performance, risk, and change, and managing all of those three things and they're not mutually exclusive they work together and all of and by the way the performance all of them require some sort of knowledge management some sort of learning requirement and so um i know somebody asked me recently well you know why does my budget always get cut and i said you have to reverse the question you have to ask yourself why are they cutting your budget and what i'm trying to say is that when companies like i'm going to drop names here apple and nest and google or whatever you want to you know, put out there when times are bad they know they're going to not do as well as they should do economically in the, in 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 the in the environment that they exist but they know they can survive so what do they do they don't cut their budgets actually some of these companies i've worked with have increased their budget significantly during the downtime so they're prepared so when the cycle turns their, pre- their people are prepared to move forward on capitalizing on that so guess what Th- their learning departments are seen as value to organization their learning departments are actually delivering what those business leaders expect and it's not just an isolated incident. I talk in an article about being proactive and disruptive. Don't sit and wait till somebody says something is broken. Go out and find out what's broken or actually go break something and improve upon it. Be proactive. Be disruptive. Look at, become an integral part of your operations. Don't be an afterthought. That's really my, my I guess, my soapbox. Sorry, Lisa, I get very passionate about this stuff. stuff. <laughs> uh, it's important stuff and it really is important stuff. And it, and it sort of brings me to mind to sort of start to wrap this up is that, if you then, AJ, and it's a big question, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that actually 
job descriptions even in of themselves are always fit for purpose and they need to be able to adapt to exactly the type of environment that you have spoken about the fact that things are changing and we need to be flexible on that but if you were writing the job descriptions for the new learning professional what types of skills and experience and ideas would you want them to be bringing to the table that's different from perhaps our previous expectation of what a learning and development professional is If I would look at any level of learning professional within an organization, so let's start from the lowest, when I say lowest level, I mean the the instructional developer, the person who's actually hands-on and creating the uh, aspect, all the way up to the chief learning officer. The one thing I'd want to see in, in that job description, and this would probably scale up as the higher you go in rank, but a, a, a grasp of business um, concepts, basic grasp of business concepts and per- performance concepts. And I'm not talking about the way we talk about performance support in L&D. That's just a small part of performance. I'm talking about performance in the context of how business leaders are trained or educated, should I say, in performance um, management and performance uh, functionality because performance doesn't just mean people, it means performance for the whole organization. So you can take that one skill, that business understanding, um, fundamental business understanding. The, the instructional designer doesn't need to be well-versed in finance and accounting and all that kind of stuff, but they should have a respect for what business is about so they can, when they're designing the courses, they know, they have sort of an end in mind, they know what they're trying to do. And, and, and to the chief learning officer, to the other extreme, less on the learning skills. I mean, they should have a, a good grasp understanding of learning skills um, and learning and development skills. But what they really need is, you know, the business concepts, the leadership concepts to be able to become part of that organization. And so you can take that spectrum of skills and go from the ID person all the way up to the CLO and, and scale that. The ID person will have much more learning skills than business skills, but they'll still have respect for the business skills. And then you go to the other side of the spectrum, the CLO will have less emphasis on the learning skills and more emphasis on the business skills. And to me, if you, and I'm being very generalistic here, Lisa, so please, I know you might get letters and emails and stuff that people say, you know, AJ doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Fine, you know, they're right to their opinion. But what I'm trying to say is that there has to be something that tells L&D that they're part of the business, not just an afterthought. And if I can just conclude with this, the problem with that is that for years, for years, for decades, L&D has always been ignored. Nobody really understood what we did. We would get a, a bunch of money into our budgets and then say, just do what you do and, and go on. But like I said before, businesses are under a lot of pressure for accountability. There's only so much money that goes around. And if that money is not driving results, then you're out. And that's not just for L&D, that's for any business department. So at the end of the day, you have to be accountable and you have to prove that money is giving something. So understand the business, please, and be part of that business because that's the skills that I would want to see in a job description if I were. And I've, I've actually counseled some companies on that. So that's where I would go on that. Well, AJ, we'd welcome any comments or emails or questions people have got about today's interview because it's always great to hear from the audience about their perception, their current experience in their organisations, questions, comments they have, other ideas. Please share them with us. And I know that AJ is very open to that type of conversation because this is a thing. It's really important that we talk about this and talk about this in a pragmatic way, understanding different contexts because people are starting from different um, jump-off points and different industries. So 
know. Let's keep that conversation going. We absolutely welcome it. And AJ, I really appreciate you spending time to really start this incredibly important debate for the profession as a whole. And I know that you're going to be doing some contributions for us going forward for Learning Now TV as well. So I really look forward to seeing those two. Well, Lisa, thank you very much and, and for uh, Learn Now um, Radio and TV because I, I think what you do is really bringing a message out that's very proactive and I'm really looking forward to being part of that family. I really, um, you know, enjoy what you all you do and, and I'm really hoping that I can bring forward, you know, the relevance of the business side uh, for learning that really resonates with people. And like you said, I am, I'm a learner myself and I'm very much open to learning and, and learning about other people's issues. I just don't want people, if, they, if you're going to send something in, then be a learner send something that's going to contribute to the conversation, not bring it down. And I look forward to the listeners' uh, feedback. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, AJ, for joining us on Learning Now Radio. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. Please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers, and of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.